Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles. And today we're going to talk about the new Macs coming soon, a little Apple VR, and an iPad mini long-term review. Plus, we've got some listener feedback and questions towards the end of the show. This episode is brought to you by Truebill and ZocDoc. You'll hear about our friends in a moment. And joining me this week for episode 401, Wes Hilliard. Thanks for joining me, Wes. Hello, Stephen. It's uh, four hundredths and one, Stephen. Listen, listen. Four hundredths and <laughs> Every, I was listening As I was editing that episode and William called me out on that, I realized I don't think I ever said it correct once. I think I said four hundredth. It was a little mean of William, but once he once he did it, I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I don't know why I couldn't. The proper way is the four hundredth. Yes, right. Yes. Four hundredth. That's that's, a, that's pure American, and he he brought in his Britishness and said, oh, you you're English. It, it's bad, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I said it that way. It was very strange. Usually, HomeKit Insider is where I mispronounce everything, but uh, no. In honor of the four hundredth, fourth hundredth episode, <laughs> four hundredth um, episode. Oh, it's terrible. Well, now we're at 401, so I never have to worry about that again until we get to 500, but uh, that's a ways off, a couple of years off. Uh, as we've been doing at the beginning of every show, want to give shout outs to those who have given us five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and there's been a bunch of you. Thank you guys so much. And from all around the world, we had Henry Ty from New Zealand, Lee Cantwell from Great Britain, from Williams Neck of the Woods, Jagi177 from Australia, a lot of Australia and New Zealand, that's, that's pretty impressive. Mike Oresti. From USA, and the rest of these guys are from the USA. KMS, GMS Tech, XSMI, Mike Ellie, CTC2, I think, and then 91 SCCJ, all from the USA. So thank you guys for some five-star ratings and reviews. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. Now, this next thing, I, I, I snuck this in here right before we get to the news. I wanted to talk about the, the big game, because you're not allowed to say what it's actually called. But uh, did you watch the big game, Wes? Are you a football fan? I barely care about football. I could care even <laughs> less about the NFL. College football's where it's at. Right. I want right. to hear that band music. Yes. It's just silent sadness in any NFL game I've ever watched, and it, it, mm. it bothers me. All right. That's a good point. That's a good point. I also, I'm not a huge uh, sports fan, I'm, as in I'm not really, I don't watch sports pretty much ever. But for some reason, I, I like watching the Super Bowl, mostly for the commercials. You know, there's interesting Marvel trailers. And I'm always curious. There was a lot of crypto commercials this year. Did you actually watch it? Did you watch the big game? Oh, no. Yes. Uh, we had it on. I was there. Um, I actually <laughs> okay. sat down for the commercials and got up to get food during the game. So <laughs> that's that's kind of that's kind of my my MO as well. There were a lot of crypto commercials. A lot of people trying to get into crypto. The Coinbase yes. one, I, I saw some people praising that. And I was like, man, that what 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 a waste. But apparently <laughs> enough people knew to scan the QR code that was on the screen for $18 million uh, right. to crash the website. I mean, it wasn't 12 people who crashed the website. So right. I can't imagine. Like, that's, that's kind of wild marketing right there. I, what you'd call viral marketing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So if you didn't see it, so Coinbase bought an ad for the Super Bowl, which is millions and millions of dollars. And the whole ad was just the QR code bouncing around the screen like the Windows logo or like the old DVD player screensaver. And it just bounced around. I was like, I don't know who did this, but that's a bold move. And if they go the entire commercial, never mentioning whose commercial this is, I'll say that is bold. Yeah. But right at the end of the commercial, they throw up the Coinbase logo. And I was like, oh, okay, I see what you did. 
Yeah, it could have almost been their 1984 moment, but no, they had to cop out at the last second and say, just in case you guys don't know what a smartphone is. Um, <laughs> right. The funny thing about this and the, the backstory is I, I heard this on CNBC or somewhere, but the CEO or whatever guy's running Coinbase over there, he's really adamant about the QR code as a technology. Like he is a huh. proponent of the QR code. Like we're bringing it back and, and Coinbase is a part of it. And it's just like, dude, like I get it. I guess I, like you can't NFC tap your TV to access Coinbase, but I don't know. It's, it's just such an odd technology to be so adamant about 2022 and um, what companies have been pushing this for more than a decade i know in china and a few other countries are it like qr codes are just normal everyday things but in the united states might as well not exist yeah and i i have people and clients really want to do qr codes like big time and the you know the struggle is if people don't know how to make a qr code with like shortcuts on the iphone there's so many websites and third-party services that will let you make a QR code, but then charge you for a number of visitors to that link. Oh, that's lame. It is really lame. And so we have a video actually on the Apple Insider YouTube channel on how to make a QR code using shortcuts on your iPhone. It's really simple. It's like a two-step shortcut, but please do that. Don't use a third-party service because you're probably gonna have to pay for something eventually and it's not worth it. So the only thing I wanna mention about the big game is we were actually camping this past weekend, not at home, and there were some people in this on this camping trip that were big football fans. And again, I like to see the commercials. So we actually brought a projector that I plugged into the camper hookup outlet. And to power the projector, I used my iPad mini with a dongle, a USB-C to HDMI dongle. And I used the iPad mini, ran the Peacock app, paid for one month of Peacock service i canceled immediately and then you still get the month you know that you paid for right. so I'm, most of america did that yes yeah, exactly so streamed it using the peacock app on the ipad mini connected it to the projector and then bluetoothed to a jbl speaker battery powered speaker and it was a great little setup the chapter art will be the setup that we had camping we we're able to watch the whole game I will say the iPad mini battery, it threw up a 10% left. I mean, I had it at 100% at the beginning of the game and it got to like 10% right after halftime. So, you know, powering that HDMI out and- There's a lot going on there. Yeah, There's a lot going on. I was also hotspotting to my iPhone. It was one of the rare instances I kind of wished the iPad mini had its own cellular connection, but I didn't spring for that. <laughs> so it was hotspotting to my iPhone, running that HDMI, powering the projector. So I did have to plug in the iPad mini to power, you know, a little over halfway through the game, but it did great. The streaming worked like 95% well. It froze a couple times for a couple seconds, but we were in like the wilderness. I had like one bar of 5G E, which on AT&T is basically LTE. Uh, but the whole experience was pretty fun. And so uh, got to watch the big game out there on a camping trip. Yeah, I saw that photo and it looked like something straight out of an like Amazon product page. You know, yeah. you get those like five images they show you. And like one of the projector images is someone in the forest with a TV projector. And yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of those like perfect moment use cases that'll never arrive again. But uh, it was really cool. Yeah, exactly. A new iPhone 14 rumor, leaker YEUX1122. He's on the Korean blogging site Naver has claimed that the 8 gigabytes of RAM has been confirmed on the iPhone 14 Pro line. Previously, any iPhone, the 13 Pro right now, has a maximum of 6 gigabytes of RAM. 
And he's saying that when the iPhone 14 Pro comes out this fall, it will have up to eight gigabytes. The only other iOS devices you can get with that much RAM is the iPad Pro, which the 12.9 inch M1 iPad Pro goes all the way up to 16 gigabytes of RAM if you get the one or two terabyte model. But it looks like eight gigabytes will be coming to the iPhone 14 Pro. Now, it really looks like we have new Macs coming Next month, probably in March, there was some EEC database filings. Apple filed for three new computers, two of them a Apple personal computer and another an Apple portable. And typically, before Apple is about to launch new hardware and new computers, there's going to be database filings and the EEC and all that. And so it looks like this could be the rumored M2 MacBook Pro, which we'll talk about that in a second maybe the updated Mac mini as well. And last week we talked about Apple could be eyeing March 8th as an event date. We haven't heard anything updated since then, but that could be when the event happens. These EEC electronic, it's it's European commission stuff, right? Right. We've seen this before. I remember last year there was a few Macs that went filed sometime before WWDC. So everyone was just screaming like, oh man, the MacBooks are coming at WWDC. Regulation database filings, don't necessarily mean they're two weeks away, three weeks away. They could still be months away. So I know everybody got happy, you know, throwing out the titles like, look, there's all these Macs are coming. Could still be this fall. That's fine. It's just. Right. And the identity of this M2 MacBook Pro throws it all into question as well. So. Right. And so let's look at the actual computers that Apple has rumored and we are expecting to see. Obviously, we're still waiting for the larger iMac with Apple Silicon. We still have yet to have an Apple Silicon 27-inch iMac. The updated Mac Mini, presumably with the M1 Pro and M1 Max, we still don't have that updated to Apple Silicon. We obviously don't have the Mac Pro on Apple Silicon either. But the M2 chip, which we expect to see sometime this year in that 13-inch MacBook Pro. And so if you look at the MacBook Pro lineup, we have the 14 and 16-inch that were redesigned with the M1 Pro and M1 Max chips came out this past fall. But we still have that base model MacBook Pro, the 13-inch, and it's looking like that will actually get the M2 chip. Okay, that's from the and that's from the regulatory database, right? Like it's right. it's got like a part filing that seems to be the M2. That's correct. I guess we will probably see an M2 computer, this MacBook Pro, maybe the Mac Mini is also an M2 computer alongside Macs that are released with the M1 Pro and M1 Max. You know, I was before back in the fall, I was like surely they'll release all the M1 Pro and M1 Max devices before we get to M2, but it doesn't look to be that way. And, you know, historically, Apple has released iPads with like A12Z and A12X while the A13 has been out. So I understand the difference, but I don't know. I just thought for some reason Macs would follow a more linear progression. So out of all these computers, you know, Wes, what do you think if we see any come next month in March, what do you think we will see? These these aren't March. These are, uh, again, it doesn't make any sense to me for Apple to release M2 in the spring. It could happen. It's just right. that's a much bigger event that is very much the October event. And um, we just had one of those in October. You know, it's only the beginning of the year. Right. It would it would just be wild to me for them. To, it's They're not that accelerated. They're not that much in a rush. They're dominating this, this new market with these new MacBooks. It's explosive sales. They don't need to add any more logs to the fire. Mm, that's true. From that perspective. But... If the technology's ready, it's ready. Apple likes to release things when it's good to go. I just, I'm just not sure. Like you said, like the storytelling standpoint, why would they release the M2 before the M1 series is done? Again, regulatory database doesn't mean too much except for that these computers do exist. So that's great. But a lot of filings like this 
have uh, coding code words type stuff. Um, I'm not sure exactly what identification number identified that M2 MacBook Pro, but I have a feeling some of that might be fudged it, just because again, it doesn't make any sense. Could you imagine Apple releasing a 13 inch MacBook Pro with a touch bar in 2022 <laughs> after eliminating it from every other device? It doesn't make sense. My thinking that 13 inch baseline MacBook Pro, which is really kind of a separate category from the refreshed M1 Pro and M1 Max computers. Right. I think it's going to stay around. You know, Apple has always had that based model MacBook Pro, kind of entry-level MacBook Pro. But why does it need a new chip? The M1, it's not like M1's an old chip. Like if, it, if Apple wants a budget MacBook Pro, then they can just continue selling the M1 unless they're just afraid of it sounding old because everything else has M2. That's understandable, yeah. but... And also with their iPhone and iPad devices, they have been on a much more regular cadence for processor updates. Right. For like full number updates. You know, every iPhone has had a new number. A12, A13, A14, A15, uh, which is what we're on now. So I, I think it makes sense. Have the M2 in a 13-inch model, and I think it would make sense to keep it as a 13-inch rather than a 14-inch, because then you could really differentiate. The 13-inch MacBook Pro is the baseline, and then the 14 and 16-inch are the higher-end MacBook Pros. I agree with that thinking. And I also wonder how difficult would it be, like talking about a unibody chassis, right? A chassis, whatever you want to say. Yeah. That keyboard well with the touch bar, it's not integrated into the laptop, right? So they could just make a keyboard that size with full size function keys and stick it in there. I don't, I, I mean, yeah. I, if someone's out there, tell me I'm wrong. It's like, oh no, the, the touch bar is uh, as a supporting column for the MacBook Pro unibody. I don't know, but. Um, no, no. I mean, you have the MacBook Air that even if they don't make full height function keys, they could still put the half height and make it just like the MacBook Air where the touch ID right. is, you know, separate button. And so I'm, I'm with you. Wasn't there a 13-inch MacBook Pro without a touch bar once upon a time? Oh, yeah. It was the MacBook Escape, or the MacBook Pro Escape, they would call it. Right, the, the ATP baseline guys nickname. Yeah, it. the ATP guy called it that. The 13-inch MacBook Pro had just a normal Escape and function row. Yeah, that thing already exists. So, I mean, unless Apple... They had a story for why the touch bar got gone on the new MacBooks, but I believe that they can also have a story of, look at this budget pro computer which again the name doesn't make any sense it, I, it would be really nice if they could just come out and say this is the 13 inch macbook and then just walk off the stage and that's you know i'm down for the name change yes take take the pro off and just call it the macbook which this is a product lineup that apple has had many times in the past the air right. macbook air the macbook and the macbook pro now that we've talked about it i'm i, I feel a little bit better about a 13 inch with an m2 because yeah that touch bar is the oddity here i i mean there's no reason for it to get thunderbolt 4 it'd be thunderbolt 3 like that doesn't need the extra port so yeah a two port 13 inch macbook pro with a fan and an m2 that that sounds like a good product at like 12.99 or whatever it is yeah and i could see them maybe bringing MagSafe to even that right. base level macbook pro and i but i do agree with you i do not think that touch bar is going to stay there. I, I really don't foresee why Apple would keep a touch bar on a MacBook Pro in 2022. And so I'm, I'm going to say no more touch bar when they refresh the MacBook Pro or if they just call it the MacBook. Yeah, your original question was, what do I expect in March? Well, I told you what I didn't expect in March. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, so I'll start with the, the have-nots. But uh, this, this March event, 
I think Andrew was, I, I commented on one of Andrew's statuses about like, what, why, why are they even having an event if it's just, you know, these two things? And it's like, you know, Apple could literally release 10 five minute videos over the course of two weeks and just call it the event, right? Like they don't, this online stuff now could just be YouTube shorts, right? Like they don't have to <laughs> right. uh, follow any kind of format. So I, I get it. Like Apple doesn't want to burn people on the, like what, what's an event? What isn't? What's important announcement? What isn't? But when they have products to announce they're going like why not just make one of these videos be it 30 minutes or two hours long if it's only two products make a video for it and make it yeah. flashy make people excited about it throw up a commercial and there you go i i could definitely see this just being the imac pro 27 inch iphone se uh, that's fine maybe maybe throw some airpods in there and maybe the mac mini the mac mini with m1 pro and m1 max right so so that the, here's my my wall prediction i'm going to move to the iMac Pro, which Ross Young, who is a supply chain leaker, he said that we're going to have to wait for an iMac Pro to come in June, which looks like, you know, WWDC announcement, iMac Pro mini LED, that'll be the larger iMac. So, okay, that's an interesting prediction. Here's, let me know how crazy this sounds, Wes. Imagine Apple does a March event, they update the Mac mini to include the M1 Pro and M1 Max, and now the Mac Mini lineup is all on Apple Silicon, and they release a 27-inch iMac with the M1 Pro and M1 Max, and then so the larger iMac is now done. But could there then be a resurgence of the iMac Pro line announced at WWDC, which is maybe it's 27-inch, maybe slightly larger, 30-inch, less bezel, and then it gets some kind of variant of what the Apple Silicon Mac Pro would get, like a lower powered version. And we actually have three iMacs, the 24 inch, the 27 inch, and then the iMac Pro as that high end iMac. What do you think about that? Well, I'm on board with the three iMac theory because yeah. I think I, po- I posited that back when we were uh, doing our render articles on this. Right. Basically, it, it's iffy. It's the timeline here that's weird. iMac Pro is the M1 Pro M1 Max plus uh m1 m1 max plus whatever they want to call it chipset right the the slightly improved better clock speed chipset going into a higher end imac pro i believe all three of those are imac pros they just have different tiers of chipsets which would be totally fine i don't think we need to consider those different categories the 27 inch imac that isn't the imac pro gets the m2 and that would be this fall or later it's just the order that you said that i I think is wrong i don't i don't think we're going to see a consumer grade uh 27 inch unless it's the standard m series because the m1 pro m1 max i think go in pro computers sure right they're not going in consumer grade computers and that's the only distinction i would make there and you know ross ross young stating that this iMac Pro with a better display isn't coming out till later in the year. That's fine. I mean, March yeah. to June, Apple could easily still announce it in, in March, announce pre-orders a month later and then ship them. Like maybe get five out the door in May or something, you know, but right, right, right. I, I just, I don't, I don't see the urgency here. Uh, again, I, last time Apple announced something too early, what was it? The HomePod? <laughs> it, it doesn't happen often, yeah. uh, but I don't, I don't see the iMac being a dangerous object to pre-announce. No. I'm going to stick with the three iMac theory and see see if this pans out because the other part of Ross Young's prediction or leak is that the mini LED iMac will be announced in June, which could be a differentiating factor between the larger 27-inch Apple Silicon iMac and an iMac Pro. Maybe the iMac Pro gets mini LED and ProMotion like the MacBook Pro and just the 
regular quote-unquote 27-inch iMac gets no promotion, no mini LED, just kind of the same display as the 24-inch. So, so I mean, that could totally just be, yeah, a WWDC computer announcement. I mean, this right. doesn't have to get announced in March, but then the question is, is you know, what's getting announced in March? But here I counter with, remember, and I know this wasn't like a televised event, but it was still an event. Remember the education event where they announced yeah. literally the Logitech crayon and an iPad? Yes. I do. That, and it <laughs> I was an entire that. thing. It was huge. Everyone yeah. covered it like people went mad and it's like dude it's they literally announced a stylus that was 70 dollars. there was some software things i think in the education world that, that they was updated announced. the classroom app <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm i'm under exaggerating i don't think I, I either short it's people's short memories or their hype and excitement and they want the apple car and march along with william <laughs> i think it's okay if we just have a 30 minute video about an iphone se and airpods pro i i i just don't see why we always need to justify the quote-unquote apple event especially in the tiktok era when people are rotting their brains with 15 second videos but apparently the algorithm is pushing seven second videos so right we're already dead sure. all right continue <laughs> okay. well we'll see i mean next month we're only a few weeks away from march 8th so we will see we'll see if it pans out this episode is brought to you by ZocDoc. Listen, there are lots of doctors out there. you got specialists, primary care physicians, but the ones that really matter are the ones who actually take your insurance. With ZocDoc, you can focus on doctors who are in-network, putting you on a path to see the doctors who are right for you. Picture the scenario with me. You've probably gone through this yourself, but you actually make an appointment, you call a doctor's office, you wait on hold, talk to receptionists, appointments are weeks out, and then when you finally get to your appointment, you find out, that doctor doesn't take your health insurance. It's one of the most frustrating experiences. Well, you never have to experience it again, nor do you ever have to call to make an appointment again when you use the free app from ZocDoc. Yes, ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your specific insurance plan, and are available when you need them. I personally use ZocDoc because I can put my insurance provider and my exact plan in there, and I can search primary care physicians, specialists. I actually used this just the other day. I had to find an orthopedic doctor for my son, and I used ZocDoc to find one that was close by, in-network, and with high ratings. You can read up on local doctors using the ZocDoc app. You get those verified patient reviews and see what other real humans had to say about their visit. And when you walk into that doctor's office, you're set up to see someone in your network who gets you. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider. You choose a time slot and whether you want to see a doctor in person or you can do a virtual video visit. And just like that, you're booked for an appointment. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. It's my go-to source whenever I need to find and book a doctor. In the chaotic world of healthcare, let ZocDoc be your trusted guide to find a quality doctor in a way that is surprisingly pain-free. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider and you can download the ZocDoc app totally for free and then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash Apple Insider. ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider. That link is in the show description. You can just click it there. Our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. I wanted to mention Mark Gurman in his Power On newsletter, which comes out every Sunday, talked about Apple VR a little bit, talking about what kind of experience you would have as a user of the Apple VR headset, even when it comes out. We mentioned Reality OS and how that leaked last week in this show. But Mark Gurman was saying, as you wear an Apple VR headset, obviously, if you wanted to FaceTime with someone or interact 
There could be no camera on your face because you're wearing a headset, which he says would be solved with Memojis, which I think we've mentioned on before. You know, Apple has been pushing Memojis for a long time. Many events now like feature Memojis prominently either on screen or like last year at WWDC, the whole invite was like Memoji faces and background behind Tim Cook as he spoke. So you got Memojis in Apple VR. And then he also mentioned the use cases would be group entertainment, gaming, and FaceTime. Again, FaceTime with Memojis. But the heavy use of share play, like experience music together, so you can listen to music together, and then movies and games, that would be a large part of the Apple VR experience, which we've talked about. I think fitness is also going to play a role in that. The Meta Oculus, is that what it is now? The Meta Oculus? No, no, no. no. Oculus is dead. They killed right, the cool right name. Yeah, yeah, they killed the, the good name. So it's the Meta... Yeah, it's Meta Quest. Meta Quest. Facebook, what are you doing? Johnny Quest's brother, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's it's not good. It's not good. It's not that commercial good. during the Super Bowl that came up MetaQuest, and everyone's like, what are they talking about? I was like, no, it's the Facebook headset. Just call it that. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Facebook. Anyway, or Meta. Can you imagine Memoji? Are we getting legs in the next update? Do we do we get oh. Memoji? Do we have to choose their pants and shoes? Um, It'd be like a me from the uh, old school Wii console, the Nintendo. Say old school yeah. like it wasn't 2008, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a thousand years ago okay it does. A, a different time for sure uh it hurts me to think oh no oh my god the switch came out in 2016 what are we doing um wow that's why anyway moving on yeah uh Memoji are an interesting concept i i wonder if apple's going to give us more details um higher resolution textures stuff like that like uh, are we going to be more blobby blob kind of characters in in these vr environments the idea that the headset's going to use you know because this thing's basically a giant sensor you're wearing on your head uh it can see your eyes, cheeks, mouth, nose, like it can see facial expressions from that top down angle. So it, it, it could incorporate that into real time communications that way. That's fine. Just odd to think that again, like why is what what's the what's the thing here, right? Because German said both things now that Apple is vehemently avoiding the idea of a metaverse and now he's saying we're or i don't know if that was him uh we're preparing memoji for metaverse like facetime group calls and share play and it's like i, I think it barrels down to the fact that i don't think anyone knows what the metaverse is um <laughs> right right because it, it, it still doesn't exist guys horizons isn't metaverse it's just the sims and vr it's not the metaverse we're getting there they're spending there are people spending millions of dollars on fake property so I, obviously something exists but i, I just don't understand what apple's play yeah. is here with the vr headset and memoji and like has memoji caught on do you do you still use do you use memoji talking to i never use memoji ever i'm sorry i just don't like i don't use the stickers I don't use it in FaceTime. You know, I think it's come up. It's come up a few times. Like I've, I've messed with it or like being a FaceTime call and be like, Hey, look, I can make myself a cat, but it, it's, it's very much a toy. And I wonder if Apple needs to find a way and this might get into clippy territory might get dangerous. <laughs> Is there a way to implement it more that it's in your face? It's there like in this ecosystem where, Hey, this is a feature on the iPhone that uses Memoji in some way. I don't know. It just seems like such an out of place thing. Cause right now, pretty much the only place that Memoji exists is when you open the emoji thing, uh, emoji picker, and it just happens to right. have some stickers there. And then, you know, in FaceTime, it's kind of prominent, you know, if you choose the filter thing. I find, again, I don't use Memoji a lot, but I do have friends that use it all the time and like doing the live Memoji in FaceTime. I also think there's a a use case where maybe you just woke up or maybe you're about to go to sleep, but you're going to be on a FaceTime call, but you're not in a 
necessarily presentable state of appearance. I think I've seen people kind of use it in those contexts so they don't have to show their actual face. They just show the emoji, which is imperfect because if you move just the wrong way, the emoji disappears and you just see the person's like actual face. Yeah, no, Steven, it's, it's going to be like the Jetsons where they just put a plastic head over your head that's bigger uh, when <laughs> right. your hair's it's bad. Russian nesting doll of emoji. Just right, all of right. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see if it is even this year or, again, there were some rumors it might be 2023. Stay tuned. All right. So, yes, you wrote an article about TikTok. So tell me about it. Just uh, another one of those things where I'm not sure how this article, like, originated. I'm not going after the people who wrote it or the uh, people quoted in there or whatever. We we found this article uh, that was making circuit, making the rounds. Uh, it was posted on Reddit, a lot of a lot of people talking about it. And we, you know, just caught up to it and was like, what is this? And it's a story. Let's see. Their title is TikTok can circumvent Apple and Google privacy protections and access full user data to study say exclusive to the rap. So I dug into this because I and wow, it, there is so much here that is just uh, wrong I, I don't know where to wow. begin it's really it's just really saddening to me that like you know i don't again this is a primary news source for some people i'm sure it's a thing that exists on the web and there's just a lot of scare uh words in here mm. long story short i just wanted to bring it up because <laughs> they take definitions of things like they get legitimate quotes from like experts but they're like this this expert says the tiktok app acts basically like a web browser and is able to pull information from the web converting it from the web to the device and it's able to access anything that the app can see and it's just like (laughs) and so they took that and said that means that the the app can transform into whatever it wants to at any moment and circumvent apple's app protections on top of that my goodness yeah no it it gets worse it gets worse so yes every app accesses the web and pulls information and especially web apps and that's what this app is It, it they they were actually scaremongering the fact that this app was built using few library tools from apple and google right so basically a web wrapper an app and a web wrapper uh we call them web apps right, right. <laughs> funny enough right it's a totally normal thing every a lot of big companies do it like facebook youtube uh but they but because they're talking about tiktok and oh they're so bad the, this is a bad thing they're they're using their own secret code in order to bypass app apples and google's own programming language so they can't be audited i recommend go go read what i wrote click on the link and uh understand that everything you read in there is pretty much not correct <laughs> and the craziest part of this whole thing is you get to the very bottom of the entire article where tiktok this terrifying Chinese co- company, and it says TikTok's data mining may be no worse than that of major social networks like Facebook. Yeah. <sighs> well, any, anyway, I just wanted to point this story out that guys, be careful. <laughs> There's a lot of scaremongering misinformation. I hate TikTok as much as the next person. That's a lie. I think everyone loves it. I'm the only one who hates it. But, <laughs> you know, they're terrible for a lot of reasons, but this is one of those technology is scary and all these words are meaningless to me. So we're going to attach our own fear to them. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. We'll get to something similar when we talk about AirTag and stalking as well. But right. the people that do these kinds of reports, it's a, a disservice to readers and everyone that they don't understand the technology, which you really have to understand it to understand whether or not it's a threat. So we'll put a link to Wes's article in the show notes. You can check that out as well. So the AirTag news I feel like it's getting a little out of hand. You know, we've addressed this a couple times. Last week, I I snuck in the Apple statement about AirTag and some of the updates they're going to be doing in regards to setup. You'll be able to do precision finding with AirTag that is not yours. You know, if you get the notification that an AirTag has been following you, you'll be able to throw it into that precision finding and actually see exactly where that AirTag is. And now the attorney general 
of New York, Letitia James, actually tweeted about AirTag saying, quote, want to protect New Yorkers from bad actors using Apple AirTags to track individuals' locations and their belongings for harmful purposes. She goes on, and this is where I think she gets a little exaggerated. She says, across the country, Apple AirTags are being misused to track people and their belongings to cause harm, said James. Quote, I urge all New Yorkers to pay close attention to their belongings and follow the tips provided by my office to stay safe, end quote. So I feel like saying across the country, Apple AirTags are being misused is a bit of a hyperbole. Yes, we have been seeing cases of AirTags being used in nefarious ways. But on the other hand, we have also been seeing times when the features that Apple has built into AirTag, unlike other tracking services like Tile and the many GPS trackers you can buy that don't have these same safety features, that Apple's AirTags have actually been found when trying to be used in a nefarious way. And we had another article just this week talking about a woman in Pennsylvania who got the notification that an AirTag, unknown AirTag, has been following her. She used her phone to find it on her like trailer hitch, and she actually was able to uh, identify the person. She contacted the police, and the person was arrested. And that was because Apple's safety features built into AirTag allowed her to identify it, find it, and contact the authorities. And other services like Tile and other GPS trackers don't have these features. So I feel like it's just in this weird place where it's being blown out of proportion in some ways. And we're hearing about these stories where Apple safety features are basically catching these stalkers. So this is all weird ground to be in um, because we don't have all the data. I don't think anyone has all the data except maybe Apple because they're the ones getting the subpoenas from police. But how widespread is it? Who knows? But I think the the other side of the conversation is, and if you think about it, technology brings awareness to a lot of things going on that maybe we're not always uh, aware of. Right. And I I believe AirTag is a similar situation where people, abusers have always used the technology available to them to abuse uh, people or their partners or whoever it may be technology not just being air tag i mean i remember reading when the smart home uh, became a thing that abusers would use smart locks and thermostats mm. to like basically control and dominate their partner because they the partner wouldn't have access to controlling the thermostat and he could just turn it up to 90 degrees air tag goes back to the same thing of the technology has existed for a long time it just so happens that apple made the first one that i know of that goes out of its way to alert people of its presence so yeah. the reason why we're getting all these stories isn't because apple released air tag it's because there's a lot of there's people out there using tracking beacons to track people in abusive ways and people are finding out because the technology works and people are finding these air tags and reporting it to police and they're reporting it to journalists and getting the news out there yeah probably because it's an apple thing yes the apple gets the headlines and it it's actually pressuring other companies to address this tile and samsung have both released updates for with anti-stalking features not as robust as apples but it's a start yeah and i I think to your point technology has always been used in both nefarious ways and in super altruistic ways i remember when we started having kids we would get these baby video monitors and it was in the news that sometimes those can be hacked into because they just use like regular radio frequencies and nefarious actors would hack into those cameras especially ones that could actually speak back into like the baby's room 
and start saying things in the room. And it was like super creepy. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah. And, and that's a thing where it wasn't any one company subjected to it. It was just because of the nature of the technology. That's also part of the whole CSAM conversation about why Apple is trying to put forth those measures to prevent those kinds of things. Because again, technology can be abused in all kinds of ways. And so to your point also, I think the scale at which Apple operates, you know, this is always why when Apple enters a product category, it's going to change that category forever just because of the scale of the network, just the amount of iPhones that are around, especially in the US, the predominant platform and AirTag is just super popular because like a bunch of people are going to buy it because it's an Apple product. And so because of that scale, it does reveal all those bad actors as well as, you know, the good stories about, yeah, actually these features that Apple built in has actually stopped this person and uh, that person, you know, got picked up by authorities. So, yeah, that man in Pennsylvania had a protective order against him for this woman. He was a known abuser and stalker and he claims, of course, he had no idea how the AirTag got inside of a trailer hitch yeah, uh, that well. belonged to him. But it's not like you're going out in the street and there's air tags just laying everywhere trying to track you. It's just the people who want to do bad things will find a way to do it one way or the other. And I think the existence of air tags doesn't promote that behavior. So removing air tags from the picture, they're just going to go find a different tracker. Yeah. And so I will link to the Apple Newsroom article as well. I just mentioned it briefly last week, all the updates they're going to be doing to prevent unwanted tracking and all that. So link to that and also to the articles that I mentioned will be in the show notes as well. This episode is brought to you by Truebill. Listen, we all have to deal with subscriptions. There's subscription services for streaming, for apps, for different kinds of internet services. And when you sign up for those subscriptions, especially when they have that free trial, it's so easy to forget that you signed up and you forget to cancel. Well, you can solve all of that with Truebill. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, you don't want, or that you simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. And because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. You just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Yes, I said that right. Truebill will help cancel your subscriptions in one tap. And they use Plaid to connect to your accounts so you know it's totally secure and private. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel those unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. I personally started using Truebill and I love it. Again, I've used the story before, but I pay for a storage facility here in Central Florida and the month to month price actually went up and I didn't find out from the storage company first. I found out because Truebill alerted me as soon as it charged more for that monthly subscription, Truebill sent me a notification and I found out that it went up in price. And so Truebill will let you know when subscriptions change cost and will help you cancel cancel those unwanted subscriptions. Truebill has over 2 million users and it has helped them save over $100 million. It's like Jennifer B who says, with your help, her family has saved $587 a year on unnecessary subscriptions. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling subscriptions today at truebill.com slash Apple Insider. So go right now, Truebill, T-R-U-E-B-I-L-L, Truebill, dot com slash apple insider and it could save you thousands of dollars a year truebill.com slash apple insider our thanks to truebill for sponsoring this episode and speaking of tracking i thought this was interesting google has actually announced that they're going to be bringing a kind of app tracking transparency to android google plans to introduce updates to android that will limit the sharing of data 
across apps and third-party websites. This was the New York Times reporting it. And so this is similar to Apple's app tracking transparency solution, where when you open an app, the app will usually like tell you, hey, for you want, if you want this app to work really well, you should allow tracking. And it's like, then that dialogue pops up and I 100% of the time tap ask app not to track. And you can always change that in the settings and privacy settings of your iPhone. But I think it's interesting that Google will be bringing a version of this to Android. They have said it won't be as strict as Apple's solution that apps and third parties will still be able to get some information from the users to be able to do targeted advertising, which makes sense because again, Google's main revenue model is advertising. And so they want companies to still be able to advertise well on its platforms. But I thought it was interesting that they're gonna be bringing a version of this to Android. They haven't released a timeline or when it's gonna happen, but it will be coming soon. Apple built a shed around people's data, right? Like, and, and put a door right. in that, that people can right. walk up and say, I'd like to open the door and let the trackers in to my data. Uh, Google built a cheese grater around their users' data. <laughs> and and I, go read go read these technologies. It's very much a half measure. Uh, they're basically saying right. we're, we're giving you all of the promises with, with none of the uh, actual uh, wins here. I, I don't see how this is really that much better. I guess anything's better than nothing, but sure. It, and it still did hurt, like, you know, the stock market, I guess. It, it's barely a thing to actually use for these trends because the wind blowing can change the stock market. But Facebook, you know, saw a pretty big dive on this news. And yeah. even though it's, you know, Google and it's a half measure, but because Google isn't going as heavy handed as Apple and they kind of take pride in that in their description. Right. And I, I believe even Apple's probably isn't even enough yet. Like it's kind of crazy because they can still get specific identifiers and there's it's basically Apple system system is in place to say you can track certain data points using a specific system that we've implemented because the systems that ad agencies and trackers developed were way too nefarious and way too enveloping and sneaky. So like Apple's like taking this route where basically they're controlling the technology stack and saying you can use our available technology stack to get people's data as long as they've given you permission to get that data. And when you turn off that that feature and say ask not to track, you basically end access to a lot of data points and the data points they do get are all anonymized binaries basically these you get a you get a advertising id still but it's not attached to you in any feasible way like triangulation efforts from advertising agencies can still try and figure out who has that data but it makes it much harder so yeah exactly all right well one last piece of news before we get to an ipad mini long-term review apple actually updated its support app to version 4.5 and it will actually include repair costs now. So when you go in there and you tell it what hardware, what device you need help with and what's wrong with it, whether it's a cracked screen or maybe you need a battery replacement, the Apple Support app will actually give you an estimated price for many of those common repair types. I wanted to mention this because the Apple Support app is really a great resource. I mean, that's also where you can schedule Genius Bar appointments in a physical Apple store if you need to go in and bring a device. And I find that most common users, just regular people, are not aware of this app. I don't believe this app comes pre-installed on an iPhone. You have to go and download it from the App Store. It's free, you know, it's directly from Apple, but it's not something that's like readily available. And I don't think Apple actually surfaces the support app very well to its users. I think that Apple should do more of like, hey, get this app because if you ever need help with your devices, this is where you go to do it, whether that's support via messages or phone or making an appointment for the Genius Bar. So great update to the app. And I would say, if, you know, your friends and family who 
maybe need help with their devices, need tech support often, maybe for hardware. The Apple support app is the resource for all of that. And I just think it should be uh, surfaced more, made more obvious that that's something uh, available. Every should, user should have the tips app that comes. Uh, I know a right. lot of people just delete it and throw it away and never look at it. There's a lot of good stuff in there and it has like videos that tell you how to do stuff. And if you don't, if you're someone who doesn't know technology too well or is a casual observer, that thing has a wealth of information that you don't have to dig through 30,000 blog sites to get to that and the support app. I agree. It's like a, it's just a really good resource. Yeah. I, th I believe the only time you ever see the support app is if you go on a website to ask Apple for help and then they tell you to download the support app. So that's about the only way people find out about it. Right. I don't think you can make an appointment like at the Genius Bar using the Apple Store app. You have to use the support app. And I'm not sure if like people know that. Is that right? I, I know. Well, the Apple Store app is weird. I remember it does have like functions for finding out session times and stuff, but you can't do specialists there. Right. Let me look. Something like that. I'm not, I'm not sure. There's but a session. Apple support app. Oh yeah. You, you click get help and it tells you to get the Apple support app. That's funny. Right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay. So I wanted to do a long-term review of iPad mini. So I'm looking back, I actually got to do the big review for Apple Insider, both the written review and the video. I'll put the link to that in show notes. The review came out September 29, so that's about four to five months ago. And I still love my iPad mini. You know, I often tweet images of where I'm editing this podcast as I'm doing the weekly show. A lot of times it's not in a typical office situation. I've edited this show in the car, waiting for my kids at their like dance class. I've edited podcasts all over the place. And so when it comes to use case for the iPad mini, it has become my main podcast editing machine and the thinness, the lightness, the form factor. I still love everything about it from that perspective. And like I said, been my main podcast production machine, not recording, but editing, producing, and all that. It has been an entertainment consumption device. I like watching things on there. I'll read eBooks and articles on the iPad mini. Being so light and so small, very one-hand operation friendly, really love the iPad mini for that. And it's been great for travel. I've gone on a couple trips, like I mentioned at the top of the show, used it on a camping trip to stream the big football game on a projector. I use the iPad mini for that. Then I could have done that with my iPhone, with some weird dongles with lightning to HDMI, but USB-C to HDMI, it's a lot more user-friendly, got more dongles. And it was a great device to use when traveling like that. Didn't take up much room in a bag or a suitcase or anything like that. So I love the iPad mini. A couple of things I will say, I hope it gets maybe in the future, although I'm not sure if it ever will. I do miss ProMotion coming from all the other devices I have that use ProMotion, my iPhone 13 Pro, my iPad Pro, now the MacBook Pro, all the devices have ProMotion. And I do notice it when I first pick up the iPad mini after using any other device. I'm like, man, it's not as smooth. And when editing podcasts, scrolling back and forth real fast, I would love to have ProMotion for those reasons. So would love to see a future iPad mini get ProMotion. That's a, a want there. I do, there's still some weird display things. Like I use a large weather widget on the home screen and the multi-day forecast is still all scrunched together. It's like, I feel like that should be fixed in a software update. Could have been fixed between uh, September when it was announced and now. So still some weird display things there. I'm sure it will get fixed eventually. Maybe we'll have to wait till iPadOS 16. I still think the volume buttons are okay, but I do kind of wish they were on the side. I do sometimes like fumble around for them. I forget they're on the top or which side they're on, depending on how I'm holding it in landscape mode. 
it's fine. I understand why they're on the top because the whole folio case and, you know, you have the Apple Pencil on the other side. So I get it. But the volume buttons are not not perfect. And the last thing is more of a software than a hardware of the iPad mini. But when I edit podcasts on the iPad mini, I'm tapping with my finger a lot in the middle top edge of the screen. And I hit the multitasking three dots really often. Like a lot of times while I'm editing, I hit those three dots by accident and I have to tap away to get the multitask to get the multitasking options to go away, you know, and then keep editing. And so those multitasking buttons, I wish I could hide them. I wish there was an option in settings to just only do multitasking via gestures and not those three dots. I'll have to look. Maybe there's an option, but I, I don't think so. I'll look now as Wes gives his review, but that's the only thing. It's again, more of a software. It could be fixed, but overall, I still love the iPad mini. I think for certain use cases, especially for reading, media consumption, and for me, podcast editing with the Apple Pencil It really is a great device. I'm very happy I got it. And I'll be curious for future iPad mini models as well if they bring some of those features like ProMotion. But what have you thought? You've had the iPad mini for just as long. How do you feel about it? Um, I love it. I use it every day. It's uh, in my pocket. I have uh, a Mac Weldon robe thing. It has iPad mini size pockets in it and I just carry it around with me all day and it's amazing. Sometimes I'll go back and forth. There's no real distinction between why I'm using an iPhone or an iPad. I have similar apps on both, but when I'm using the iPad mini, yeah, it just it just feels nice on the hand. Everything's nice and big. Using it with universal control, it's kind of cool just having it. Uh, I have it on a magnetic dock under my monitor, uh, rotated in vertical orientation with the music app just running, showing me what's playing on the speakers. And just that big uh, art sitting there is really cool. Um, so it's, it's just good for viewing things, reading things, uh, seeing information. And I just I just like the way it feels in the hand. Um, I don't really have any complaints. Uh, the volume buttons are odd, but I understand why they're there. I hate taking screenshots on it because I never hit the right button. <laughs> right. I, exactly. I need to remember that the apple pencil takes screenshots i always forget that oh yeah. uh yeah no it's it's really cool i wish i used the apple pencil more with note taking but i need to find a way to maybe if i if only day one let me use natural handwriting uh to, mm. to write in the diary that would be a cool use case but i haven't found too many reasons to use it that way but as a just general media consumption tablet, like this is the best iPad that has ever iPaded, which is a quote from John Prosser on Twitter. You, yeah. re- you replied to earlier. <laughs> I did. I did see that. So <laughs> no, it's, it's really fun. I, I definitely think this is a, a 10 out of 10. Uh, like you said, the only thing that could make it better is if it got promotion, which I understand why it's not here. It's already a very expensive tablet and I don't miss promotion. Like, I guess I noticed the difference. I'm not looking for it either. My eyes have never really figured out what screen refresh rates are uh like i mentioned before i'm never the guy that notices frame lag in a video game and i'll have someone walk up behind me and be like dude you're you're like at 17 frames per second right now i'm like it's just a video game on a screen i don't know what i'm looking for Uh, people complaining about the um i guess i'm fortunate because the people complaining about the uh, jelly scrolling or whatever i just i've never noticed that i'm not looking for i just i don't know it's it's not something i care about or maybe my eyes just don't work but it's it's really it's just a really fun device i don't know i don't know what else to say about it other than yeah. it's a cool ipad and i really hope that apple fixes whatever the heck's going on with the home screen and ipad os 16 yeah exactly all right real quick there was some follow-up i wanted to do first of all calendars and what day of the week you start your calendar on a couple of interesting resp- there was a lot of responses actually a lot of people different days for different reasons at akira tech on twitter he actually worked for apple retail he says apple retail starts their week on Saturday. And so that's how he had his calendar set up. So that's, that's a good reason. He also mentioned, I had the question of when you buy 
a product using the Apple Store app and pay for it yourself and then just walk out? Does the employee team get some kind of notification that that happened? And he said, didn't get notifications from you know, Apple retail or like the Apple retail employees, like didn't get any kind of notification, but there's usually someone dedicated to stay in the accessory area in an Apple store. And so they're probably keeping an eye and looking over your shoulder to make sure you're buying something and actually, actually bought it. Did you ever do that? Have you ever bought something and just use the Apple store app and then walked out? Several times. Uh, Cause when I lived in Virginia beach, we had two Apple stores uh, in our area. So I would just pick up a cable or a case and just walk out with it. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So <laughs> <laughs> just like hide it under my jacket, sneak out the door. They didn't care. They they saw me buy it. So yeah, they saw you buy it. And then also, what what day of the week does your calendar start on, Wes? All right. So I want someone listening to make me an a alignment chart for days of the week uh, for your calendar. Like chaotic um, good. It, yeah. Yeah. No. If if uh, <laughs> neutral is uh, Monday, yeah. Chaotic good or uh, chaotic good would be like Sunday. Mm. Chaotic evil would be Wednesday. I'm going with mm. Wednesday as the start <laughs> of my week. No, I I have my calendar in Fantastic Cal set to. Um, what, what's the uh, Monday? I, I have it set to Monday, which is the normal thing that everyone should probably do. But <laughs> Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of people said their work schedule, their work week starts on some, you know, weird day just because the company has their, yeah. you know, work. And that's fine. You know, totally understandable. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Saturday is chaotic. Good. I would say Saturday is chaotic. Good. But Wednesday is chaotic. Evil. Someone make this alignment chart for me because I'm too lazy. <laughs> I would love to see some fan. I would love to see some fan art uh, for all kinds of things on here. You know, William <laughs> playing soccer with the Ted Lasso team. Anything. Quote for uh, Stephen Robles. I would like to see some fan art. That's it. Just, <laughs> I would, you know, I would, I, you <laughs> make, know, I listen to other t-shirt. <laughs> I listen to other podcasts and people make them fan art. And I understand our, our topics of conversation doesn't warrant much fan art, but Cortex has such amazing animations oh for, goodness. I love it. Yeah. That's a, that's a dedicated fan right there. That's awesome. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, Hey, listen, fan art, eh, you know, I don't want anybody to do work for free unless you want to, <laughs> in which case we will definitely tweet it out. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Fan art. Steven says he's paying you with um what what's what's the the phrase? Exposure. I'm paying for exposure. Exposure. Yes, he's paying with exposure. You will get one retweet, one like yes. from Steven Robles. Yes. And then a couple other tweets that I didn't fit into episode 400, but one is from at Twisterways on Twitter. He wanted us to share a funny moment me, you, Wes, and William maybe had behind the screen like recording the show. And you know, it's one of those things where this. We actually record pretty tightly. You know, the show's about an hour and we pretty much record for an hour. There's not much like prep or post work, you know, aside from, you know, I do the notes and I share them with the guys. But as far as funny moments behind the scene, you know, I sent William that Ted Lasso blanket and, you know, I didn't tell him it was coming. That was probably one of the, the funniest behind the scene moments. But yeah, otherwise, I don't know. I mean, did you have you remembered anything? I don't think there's much opportunity for, for weird stuff to happen. No, I mean, our recordings usually go pretty well. Um, we have our own little memes, I guess, uh, like uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire and stuff. But Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> I do like that. I do like that. What, that was in relation to the iPad Pro, which did come out in May, I might, I just might add. That's what it was about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was about, yeah, but uh, May, like a year later, so you were still wrong. But um, <laughs> Okay. And now, now it's the AirPods Pro. I said AirPods Pro coming out, uh, you know, this spring, and you, you sent me the Earth, Wind, and Fire gift. Do you remember? Right. September. Yeah. 
Well, and the last thing I just want to mention, our friend of the show, Fernando Silva, he has an awesome YouTube channel about iPad everything. He asked, what is something I wish I knew when I started episode one of this podcast that I now know after 400 episodes? And, you know, this is one of the things, if you've, if you've not been around since the beginning, I had the privilege of starting the show in 2015. I was on for a dozen or so episodes, and then I had to take a hiatus. Victor Marks was gracious enough to host the show for several years, and then I came back two years ago now just now, like February, 2020, I came back. What did I wish I knew? It's hard to think back that, that long ago. I mean, it was like seven years, but I would say to those who are looking to start making a podcast, which I still think start a podcast, you know, there's a lot of big names in podcasting, a lot of big companies, Spotify is buying every podcast company that's out there. But I still think that this medium of podcasting is special and unique. And I think it's still a good place. So like still start one. And my encouragement, what I maybe didn't know in episode one that I would say now is even if you start getting discouraged about audience or numbers or never getting any supporters, hang on a little longer, like make some more episodes before you give up. This show did not have sponsors at the very beginning. And, you know, back in that time, it was my dream to have Casper Mattresses sponsor the show because that was kind of like the the sponsor who was just on every big podcast was Casper Mattresses. And unfortunately, I I reached out and and didn't hear anything. And then I had to leave the show. And right after I left, I got an email and it was Casper Mattress and they were going to buy an ad on the show. And I was like, man, a couple more weeks and I would have had that Casper Mattress ad. And, you know, I never knew I would be able to come back to the show. And now because of listener support and the great audience we've had, we have great sponsors now regularly, and which is awesome. And so I would encourage you, hang on a little longer for another show that I do about movies. It's just for fun. You know, we don't have sponsors because it's not a big show. But I remember my co-host and I, in our first year of doing the show, we were like, okay, if we don't get any paid supporters by the end of the first year or by episode 50, I forgot what exactly it was. We said, we'll call it. Like, we just, we'll stop doing the show. Let's at least make it to episode 50 or let's at least make it for a full year of doing it. And we pushed our Patreon and we got some supporters. Like, we don't have a ton of paid supporters, but we have some. And it was it's enough to be like, all right, let's keep doing this. And so that would be my encouragement. If you want to do a podcast or a YouTube channel or anything in that creative space, just hang on a little longer, do it for a little more and see what happens. Because a lot of times that first ad sponsor or that first paid supporter is right around the corner and you'll never know unless you just keep going for a little longer. So that'd be my encouragement after 400 episodes of doing this. You know, I've only been doing this for two years. Uh, I'm getting close to 50 episodes. Uh, I'm like, I don't have an exact number, but like five, six episodes away. Yeah. Cause I started in May of uh, 2020 doing this. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. surprise. Um, I think I might have mentioned it then, but uh, that was my first ever time even talking to a microphone, let alone doing a podcast. So, wow. uh, you know, come a long way. I know I still stutter and distract Stephen with my commentary from time to time, but it's pretty fun. And I would definitely say uh, my advice is, is don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is editing is magical and you don't have to worry so much about crosstalk. One of the things at the beginning I noticed that I did a lot was um, start, stop talking with Stephen a lot. And, and now I just, I've learned that I have to either run over him <laughs> to, to get a point <laughs> sure. out. Sure, uh, sure. Just, just, just because, you know, it's not being rude. It's, um, 
um we there is you know an infinitesimal delay between the two of us through the internet and uh we're not always going to be able to be exactly in the moment so yeah just you know get out there say what you need to say and don't be afraid of stepping on each other's toes a little bit as long as it gets fixed in editing afterwards but uh yeah i i, I think i think it's pretty cool i i personally want to be on more podcasts like uh, i've told steven before like even, even not with him just other people if there was a way for me to uh get started on something like a gaming podcast would be cool someone mentioned doing like uh yeah, some kind yeah. of gaming or apple like uh apple arcade style thing or something but like yeah i just i just enjoy the format i enjoy the medium i listen to more podcasts than i listen to music so uh these <laughs> days so which is surprising um but Same. i don't know anyway no that's really good Thanks, Fernando. Thanks to everyone, again, for supporting and listening to the show. It's awesome. Appreciate all those five-star ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts. You can still do that. I'm going to be giving those shout-outs for a while, so get in there, five-star rating and review. Also, you can support the show. You get an ad-free, uninterrupted version when you support at patreon.com slash appleinsider, or you can do it directly in Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to check out HomeKit Insider, talking about my home project construction over there. Andrew and I answer a bunch of listener questions on this Monday's episode as well. So check that out. Links in the show notes to everything we talked about and HomeKit Insider and Wes's Twitter and my Twitter. Reach out to us there. We'd love to talk to you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.